0: Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. The Honda car manufacturing plant in Swindon is threatened with closure by 2021, with the loss of three and a half thousand jobs. The Socialist Party has raised the idea of nationalisation to save those jobs, and calls on the trade unions and Jeremy Corbyn to build a fighting campaign based on action by the workers. But what type of nationalisation should be carried out? Is it feasible? Why is it such an important demand for socialists? Over to Sarah Rack for this interview which was recorded on the
1: 7th of March. Okay, today I'm talking to Rob Williams, who's the National Industrial Organiser for the Socialist Party. Hi, Rob. Hiya. And we're going to be talking a bit about the demand for nationalisation and socialist nationalisation, but we're going to start with, um, I think, Rob, you were on the protest uh, recently uh, with the, the Honda workers. Um, so, can you explain a bit about what is proposed to happen at the, the Honda plant in Swindon?
0: Yeah, well, yesterday there was a, a protest uh, by the Honda Workers Unite uh, outside Parliament. And for people to know, there's going to be a demonstration in Swindon where the plant is located over the next few weeks. One of the dates they're looking at is March the 30th. Um, and I'm, I call on you know, all trade unionists to come to that demonstration because this is a massive issue. This is a plant of three and a half thousand workers who are collectively facing the dole coups in the next uh, couple of years, Uh, and it's estimated that perhaps another 12,000 jobs in the supply chain are affected, many of them in that immediate uh, area. So we're talking about a a massive plant, really, uh, in British terms, uh, facing extinction, in, uh, in uh, over the next year or two and uh, that's that's a, a vital issue I think for all uh, workers there's other plants as well um, I've got a lot of friends in um, the Bridgen Ford engine plant um, and they themselves uh, are facing the winding up of that plant so there's a lot of insecurity out there uh, and of course a lot of workers will be asking themselves well what can we do to stop uh, our factories our plants disappearing and that's why I think the issue of nationalisation of public ownership is such a key and concrete issue right now.
1: So on that question then of what what can be done what can workers do and particularly what what is the socialist party raising in terms of what the trade unions and also the Labour Party leadership Jeremy Corbyn and so on should be doing in response to this threat?
0: Well first of all obviously you know in an immediate sense, this is an industrial issue and I want to make this clear. The shop stewards of the trade union, the convener in Honda in Swindon are big supporters of the National Shop Stewards Network. We've built a relationship with them over a decade now. The convener, Paddy Brennan, was facing a sack in 2011 and uh, you know we, along with many others, uh, helped the campaign there and successfully got his uh, reinstatement. And of course, the... Trade Union in Honda will be discussing and and in other places about, you know, what industrial action uh, they can take. Yesterday, for instance, uh, on the day we had the protest in Parliament, there were workers there from Belgium, I think Spain as well. And they were actually taking action in their uh, respective companies, um, countries rather, uh, in Honda. And of course, that's something that the workforce will have to um, discuss and we will support them in any action that they uh, they take. And, you know, history has taught us that when workers take uh, militant action, then they can put pressure on companies to um, to reverse their decision. And actually, I'll go on, as we'll go on to explain, they can actually force governments to intervene as well with either uh, state aid or, uh, or even by taking the company themselves uh, into uh, into public ownership. So uh, many times it's the industrial action that workers have been prepared to take uh, that has done that. I want to give one example right now and that is in 1971, the Upper Clydeside uh, sh- uh, shipyards that was facing uh, closure. Uh, the workforce uh, did what they called a working, which is almost like a working occupation uh, of the shipyards, um that had a huge effect not just in Scotland but throughout uh, Britain. They called a demonstration of eighty thousand uh workers. It put massive pressure on the then Tory government of uh, Edward Heath, who was forced against his will to intervene uh at that uh, at that stage so obviously the immediate response uh is is you know is for the union in Swindon and any other of these plans to discuss what action they feel. Uh, They could take that can that can really raise the stakes, send a message to the company and everyone else that we're not accepting this. What I saw yesterday on the protest was a determined set of workers and shop stewards uh, that clearly want to send a signal to Honda. This is not they're not accepting this closure and they're discussing the action that they can uh, take to um, to get the campaign going.
1: And so but you've mentioned that one of the ideas that we're raising is the possibility of nationalisation to save the jobs. Um and this is a demand that this isn't the first time we've raised it, is it? In fact, when there's this type of threat, it's often an idea that the Socialist Party will raise. Uh why why is that, you know, why is it such an important demand to raise?
0: Yeah, I I think it because in the end, um these companies will make decisions based on their own um you know, in the interest of their profits. Uh, and there's an old saying that, uh, you know, what you don't own, you can't control. And the fact is, is that what, what happens when a private company makes a decision to close a factory, um, then I'm sure many, you know, all the politicians will say and all others, well, that's their decision. They own the company in that way. We don't take that view. We take the view that in reality, who, who should own the company, is the workers involved in that company and the community that uh, stands by the side of it. You know, that we take a view, what is necessary for workers to have a decent life, and therefore that comes first in our struggle. And in reality, if these companies uh, can't provide that uh, future, then we have to take steps to take, uh, you know, that industrial plant out of their uh, control and for the common good and the way to do that is to um, take it into public ownership to nationalise those um, those uh, companies. I mean this is a demand for instance that we raised uh, th- almost exactly three years ago when the steelworks in Botalibut, very similar situation, very similar size plant actually in terms of workers, very similar situation, a town almost totally reliant on that uh, uh, works. And uh, we, I think, played an important role in popularising the idea of taking that into public ownership. Of course, that was a plant that was once in public ownership. It was part of a publicly owned steel company in uh, in Britain. And um, that caught the imagination. You know, when you look back to 2016, even David Cameron, believe it or not, because of the size of the uh, the threat, really, I've got no doubt as well, it, what also played a role was that it was months before the EU referendum uh, as well. But even Cameron uh, had accepted, at least in principle, the, the possibility of the uh, steelworks being part-nationalised or temporarily nationalised. Uh, and that, you know, it just shows that we have to take advantage of every opportunity. Now, for instance... You know, this is a government, a Tory government that is weak and divided. You know, it's uh, really um, in a very uh, difficult situation as far as concerned. And therefore, it is possible, uh, you know, we believe that if we, you know, popularise the idea of public ownership as a way forward for those workers and those other workers who are, who are affected, then huge pressure can be put on this government. You know, again, back in 1971, Rolls-Royce which has got a factory not a million miles from swindon in in Filton in uh, Bristol, that company was taken into emergency public ownership again by Heath um because it was facing liquidation it was facing whole scale redundancies and closures they They were forced into that uh, step and an effort's about building up the pressure uh and putting the demands uh even on a Tory government by the way to um to take this uh, to take necessary steps to to make sure that this industrial carnage doesn't happen
1: so i uh, i think we should uh, kind of look at some examples of nationalization some of kind of which you've just um referenced but there there have even been nationalizations in recent memory haven't there um and particularly uh, maybe stands out is the kind of partial nationalizations of the banks in um Following the economic crisis, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, but that is not the type of nationalisation we're calling for, is it?
0: No, but but the but the point you make a very good point actually, you know. So so therefore, to those cynics and pessimists, to those who will argue, you know, about the um, the right of business to manage itself and this is their property. Well, we didn't get that from the banks in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. You know, um, you know, in effect, emergency action was taken to shore up the banking system uh, in that way. So on one level, yes, it does show, you know, so what's good for the finance sector? Why can't we take those steps for manufacturing industry uh, as well? And it shows it's not off limits. It is an absolutely acceptable step that can be taken. But you are right. We do call for something different because what happened then was, was the banking system, you know, the... The most parasitic section of capitalism, that section who more than any other seek sought to undermine um the gains the working class people have made you know of um of uh, public ownership the welfare state etc, they were fully prepared to use the state to save the uh, the banking sector and the financial system at that time but of course, mm-hmm. what happened then was was that that nationalization really was. Uh, us i.e. the public you know we nationalized the uh, debt I- at that time and of course in a number of occasions what well, we what they did was they used the state they exploited the state to save those uh, banks and then as quick as they possibly could then they refloated them um, uh, in the uh, in the private uh, in the private sector so you're right we don't want nationalization to save the fat cats we want to replace the uh the fat cats the nationalization that we are calling for is taking those uh industries out of the hands of the fat cats never to go back in their hands ever again they clearly can't be trusted to run uh those industries or financial services in the interest of the majority uh of society we we believe that they should be uh you know they should be run uh under workers control and management I can, I can assure you as an ex-car worker myself that um those factories don't need to be run by um by any billionaire businessman and all the rest of it uh, in reality they can be run by the workers in those uh, in those factories those workers engineers uh, etc mm-hmm. as a uh, as a very important step now we don't stop there and i'm sure we'll discuss that uh, in a minute we we think the whole economy should be run uh, on that um, on that uh, basis. So yes, we we call for you know we we not calling for nationalisation to save capitalism. We are calling for the for nationalisation that in the immediate sense saves those jobs, saves those industries. But in a in a wider sense, you know, would be the uh, an important you know a stepping stone or important step rather of a different type of uh, socialist uh, society.
1: And maybe another example that stands out in people's minds is the period after World War two when there were quite you know large scale nationalizations um in Britain so what about that 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 period of time that's what we call for
0: yeah i mean it's it's worth knowing by the way that um you know taking those companies into you know taking important sectors of the economy into public ownership you know obviously went on. For quite a long time, because even the, uh, you know, not just the immediate post-war era, but even up to the 1970s, then uh, what became known as British Leyland, you know, so a, an important sector of the British car industry was taken into public ownership by the, um, you know, by the Wilson Callaghan uh, Labour government uh, after 1974 at that uh, stage. Um, and of course... You know, I think the phrases we we sometimes use in Britain after the war, we had almost a quarter of a revolution. You know, we had big sectors of the economy taken into public ownership. That was the era of taking coal into public ownership. I think uh, steel and then the Tories privatised and it was back into public ownership. And of course, it's been privatised since the NHS, etc. And of course, you know, that was important. You know, the miners had been fighting for nigh on half a century to, to nationalize the coal industry to take that out uh, take that industry out of the hands of the mine own, mine owners and it was a very important step it it did you know show that you know we didn't have to rely on private industry to run uh, society but of course there were defects and that was that too often the mine owners or their like became managers uh, of that uh, of that industry it wasn't done in the sense of looking to have a totally different type of socialist society. So in reality, they became islands, sometimes quite big islands, but nevertheless islands of socialism within, uh, within capitalism. And of course run very much uh, in that, uh, in that way. And, you know, we don't stand for that. That type of nationalization um, was used then by those who wanted to take these industries back into private ownership, the likes of Thatcher, Etc., that you know they were ridiculed, if you like, and lamb, lambasted. Of course, it's important for us to defend even those nationalized industries to a certain extent. You know, when you look at the railways, the absolute robbery of the railways, basing it on public subsidy, uh, right now. But of course, we, we that is not the nationalization that we stand for. We stand on the basis of workers' control and management and not individual units of public ownership. We We stand for a socialist plan. Of production based on a nationalized uh, economy, not perhaps not every corner shop being uh, nationalized, but the main bulk of the uh, industrial and financial units in society being taken into public ownership. A plan of production, so they have to to be run in the interests mm-hmm. of the vast majority of society. So we could, um, so so we can create a socialist plan that looks at what people require uh, in society. The one difference being, of course, that society uh will own those productive units and uh and that is an important uh, you know not important that is an absolutely crucial step
1: that kind of planning allows you to address other issues as well doesn't it like the Podcast that we did recently with Chris Boff on the environment, for example, um, and he raised the fact that if you have nationalisation, you can begin to look at how things are produced to to do so in a way that's less damaging to the environment and so on. But that's only possible on the basis of being able to plan across the the economy. Um, so some of these uh, ideas um, of nationalisation of some industries and so on have been raised by Jeremy Corbyn, haven't they? And particularly in his 2017 um, election manifesto. And they were very popular demands, weren't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, exactly. It just shows these, these demands are popular, particularly, I think the nationalization of the railways and the transport network, you know, it's an absolute disaster. Um, When, when you see the amount of um, cancellations, we've seen the amount of profits made by these companies. And of course, don't forget the hypocrisy, you know, these are companies that rely on public subsidy to make their uh, profits. And of course, what we've also seen, not just in the rail network, but also in the energy network as well. We've seen companies, uh, publicly owned companies from other countries, paying into, uh, you know, the British transport and energy networks as well. So, yeah, they've, it just shows they're very... Uh, a poplar and it shows people have gone through the experience of privatization. I'm old enough unfortunately to remember when we had the Thatcher privatizations in the early nineteen eighties, this idea that Britain was going to become this share owning democracy, that everyone could buy shares. And of course, for a short time people perhaps were taken in by that. Of course what what they took advantage of, that the shares were sold at Rock Bottom uh, of prices and then they can make a quick markup but in reality that's gone no one talks about that anymore what what people's experience is is privately owned companies you know exploiting workers making mass profits you know the rise in the energy prices the ri- the rise of uh uh transport prices uh etc that's the that's the everyday experience of privatization and people are open and actually actually demanding it's incredibly popular the idea of uh taking things back into uh public ownership and of course we need to build on that you know that i mean, i just want to make the point that where we would i think differ of course we would differ on a number of uh aspects to jeremy corbyn's manifesto which was a very important step but uh obviously we think it should go uh much further but we want the immediate nationalization of the rail network for instance you know the idea of waiting for these companies to um you know finish their uh, franchise lives then we're not in favour of that they should be taken immediately into public ownership the idea of compensation on proven need we're not going to we shouldn't be compensating the fat cats they've earned enough out of these um uh, out of these contracts um it's different you know perhaps pension funds or workers' uh, pensions or small savers, etc. That's something that could be discussed and negotiated. That's, But, you know, we want uh, those industries immediately nationalised. But I think what's important is, is even those quite large-scale parts of uh, the industry on their own uh, will be islands of socialism, you know. And if the main bulk of the economy is in the hands of the capitalists, they will do everything in their power to sabotage, um, they they want to wreck the uh, image of nationalisation and public ownership, and and they did that in the past. You know they, you know they'll move ever earth to ridicule and damage that idea. So therefore, for us, it's not an end in itself. Uh, they're important steps, but we want them part of a you know of a overall plan of uh, of nationalising the economy of a, of socialist planning and uh, public ownership.
1: So to come back to um Honda and other similar uh kind of threats to jobs, maybe we can discuss a bit how that relates to the general political situation in Britain at the moment. Cause I think there's a, a bit of a narrative that Brexit is what is behind a lot of these threats to the the kind of um those industrial jobs. But the Socialist Party's pointed out uh, that's a, a real distortion of the role that the EU has played for those workers and industries, isn't it?
0: Yes, I mean, Britain has been part of the, uh, well, the forerunner of the European Union since 1973 and then, obviously, the European Union. And in that time, manufacturing is probably a quarter of it was, you know, a number of manufacturing jobs is a quarter of it what it was in that time. You know, the amount of industries that's left in that whole period. And, of course, we've had the Development of globalization, which has reinforced the character the neoliberal character of the uh of the European union and of course a major part of that is the race to the bottom, so that means um attacking uh workers' rights here in the u k but also where possible exporting uh jobs to low wage economies uh in the European Union and elsewhere uh as well now clearly we can't ignore the concerns that workers will have, you know, it is entirely possible that the deluge of propaganda from the mainstream media, who, let's remember, represent the interests of British capitalism, are in the main pro-EU, and by the way, if, if they're for Brexit, it's in the interests of big business, then of course, you can have workers, understandably, who might think that this is because of Brexit, you know, that that avalanche of uh, propaganda, which the companies themselves are uh, are buying into, you know. So we have to be aware of that, but we also got responsibility to explain that the deindustrialization that's happened in Brit- Brit- Britain over an old <coughs> period has got nothing to do with um, Brexit. It's about them, these multinational companies maximising their profits. Uh, in that uh, in that way and therefore what we what we have to point out is is that how can workers maintain their jobs their living standards for them and their families and therefore we have to you know that that is only possible by challenging and overthrowing the rule of um, of big business of capitalism and bringing in uh, an alternative society based as I've said on socialist uh, public ownership uh, and uh, and uh, and a plan in that uh, in that way. so we have to be mindful of of workers uh, uh, concerns and therefore our position is we want a brexit if you like, in the interests of workers that uh, doesn't adhere to the neoliberal rules. for instance, one of, one of which is on public ownership you know the the EU as um, as rules against uh, state aid, Nationalisation, uh, etc. We totally oppose to that, like all the other anti-worker policies of the um, of the European Union. Mm-hmm. But of course, how do we perform a position that recognises that at the moment a lot of workers can be divided on this issue, uh, and therefore the way forward for us is a general election um, that can bring together workers on either side of the uh, of the Brexit divide. And we think either side of the Brexit divide. The same issues prevail. That is, insecurity, worries about the future, worries about jobs, pay, etc. But a general election that uh, gives the opportunity to bring in a, a Labour government led by Jeremy Corbyn. Of course, we want that government on socialist policies, like we've uh, like we've described, to get out, get rid of the Tories, and to bring in uh, a new stage really for workers to uh, to fight behind. Of course, as I've already outlined, we have. Criticisms. We think that that program, that manifesto, doesn't go far enough. But nevertheless, it would definitely have been a big step forward for workers. And our position is that by mobilizing workers, we can, you know, put, you know, put pressure on such a uh, Corbyn-led uh, Labour government. And actually, that pressure is vital because left to his own left to their own devices, the capitalists will put massive pressure on Corbyn. We see that now with the attacks in and outside the Labour Party, um, the capitalists will put enormous pressure on Corbyn to retreat from his uh, programme. And therefore, you know, it, it's vital that we mobilise workers, not just to fight for a Corbyn, Corbyn-led Labour government, but to ensure that that government sticks to its uh, manifesto and, in fact, mo- moves further to the left, m- moves further in the direction of uh, of socialist policies.
1: OK, thanks very much for joining us, Rob.
0: We'd like to hear your thoughts on today's episode or ideas of what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Send us an email to socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk and check out some further reading on the topic at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast.
1: And don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a five-star review in your podcast app.